When I was in college, I remember there was a job opening at the admissions office. Seemed like a very competitive role. All my friends were applying for it. This other student, whom I secretly considered a rival, was applying for it. And because there was such a frenzy about this role, I assumed it must be a great role. So I decided I wanted to get it. I applied, I interviewed for the job, and I got it. For the first few weeks, I enjoyed it. I think mainly because I felt special. I had won this competition. But then I found the actual work to be so uninspiring that I was miserable. I dreaded the days I worked there. People were really nice. It paid well, but I was just bored out of my mind. When I look at the career decisions I have made since then, I have repeated this mistake multiple times. I have made decisions based on title, money, what others considered prestigious rather than what I wanted. It is only recently I have started thinking about what makes me happy and optimizing my career for that. If you have felt stuck or if you have ever wondered, is this what I really want? You are not alone. I have been there and so has our today's guest, Jennifer Stefanski. In this episode of Unseen Battles, Jen shares her career journey and how she learned to make decisions based on the life she wanted. Hi there, you are listening to Unseen Battles, a podcast that brings you behind-the-scenes stories from women leaders. This is your reminder that as you work through your career struggles, you are not alone. I'm your host, Parul Goyal. Every two weeks, I'll bring you raw, honest conversations with a successful leader about a challenge they faced and how it changed them. So, let's get to it. Today, my guest is Jennifer Stefanski. Jen serves as a product counsel at SurveyMonkey. Previously, she has had similar roles at eBay and PayPal. Jen was one of my favorite co-workers at PayPal. She was very good at what she did, but was also really fun to work with. I have been inspired by how she approaches her professional decisions. Her career moves have been guided by personal needs even more so than her professional wants. And for her, this has been her equation to happiness. And today, Jen will share more about this equation with us. Jen, thank you so much for being on the podcast. You and I are going to talk about making career choices. And you use a rather unusual criteria, or not, not the usual criteria that people use, like title and money, to decide where you are going to work, what you are going to do. So can you tell us more about that? Yeah, sure. And thank you for having me. Uh, I would say throughout my career, I've made probably bad financial decisions on paper um, that have actually worked out both for me personally and in the end professionally and financially as well. Anyway, uh, I, as most attorneys, I started my career at a law firm uh, and I was there for five years. I, I love the people that I worked with, but the way that law firms operate, the way they make money, the way that they build people um, is it, a really tough life. Uh, a really, really hard kind of soul crushing, I must admit, uh, experience. And in order to make money, you have, you know, very, very good money and, you know, pay off your law school debt and everything. You really need to want to be partner. Uh, and, and that usually means staying for 10 years. Uh, and I couldn't do that. 
um, I left, I went in-house. Um, and so that was probably my first bad on paper decision uh, that has actually worked out and given me great experience uh, in my career. So I'm, I'm very glad with that choice. And I've sort of made those same types of choices as my career has moved on as an in-house attorney. When you were working at a law firm, like what, what were your hours like? Uh, um, it, it does a little bit have to be 24-7. Uh, so even even when I started my law firm, Blackberries existed. I see. So there wasn't really an ability to, to clock out ever. You're expected to respond pretty much all the time. I remember on, like on a Sunday, I got a call from a partner in my firm and I answered it because I didn't know the number. I don't know why mm -hmm. I did that. And he said, can you come in? I need blah, 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 blah. And that was very, very normal. Uh, and of course, then on Sunday, I'm, I'm coming into the office. Uh, so it's, it's nights and weekends. And uh, you, you do get used to it. It's, it builds a stamina. Um, but you, you know, it was kind of like, do I love what I do enough um, to then make that my life? So I guess you get used to it. And th this is the ex this is the expectation. Like this is not you going no. above and beyond. This is this is the job. <laughs> that is how the business operates. And I do remember one time I was on a deal, um, you know, so like a merger and acquisition deal. I was an intellectual property attorney. So I was doing the, the, the trademark copyright aspect of it. So I wasn't even the main attorney, but it meant that there was this is very normal for attorneys, but you know, there was two or three nights where I came home at like one and two and three in the morning from the office. And one of the nights I came home and I was just sitting in a big armchair in my house and I had tears just in dead oh. silence, but tears streaming from exhaustion. And my now husband came in because he heard me come in and he was like, who makes you cry? I want their name. <laughs> and I actually like, loved my coworkers, to be honest. Yeah. I had a great team of people I worked with. I just couldn't, I couldn't do this. The, you know the hours and like make that my whole my whole being I, I couldn't I couldn't handle it yeah <laughs> was yeah. there a specific incident like did something happen which triggered you to say that's it this is enough was this this crying incident <laughs> you would think but sadly no so most I started trying to leave in my third year um, and that's pretty early so now I'm an in-house attorney and I look at you know lawyers from law firms and would I hire them and three years isn't usually enough experience and five years is basically about the time when I will now start looking at an attorney. They've got enough um, experience. Uh, and what you learn is very good. It's just the environment in which you learn it. Um, it it's just so stressful and really, really soul crushing. <laughs> wow. So actually you, you knew for a while that you wanted to yeah. leave, but you wanted to get enough experience to be hireable. Yes. Yes. I mean, I vividly remember my first interview with an in-house attorney. Um, and ironically, I ended up working for him years later. Like, he probably doesn't remember this. Um, the world is pretty small for attorneys. But um, he said, what do you think the job is in-house as an attorney? And I had no idea. Because all I knew was my 3 a.m. world. I get my work from the partner. It's a very structured um, process. I and I didn't, I had no idea. It was, mm -hmm. I mean, I think I probably wanted to hang up the phone after that question. <laughs> I see. So I'm guessing you did not get that job. I did not I get, that, get job. that job. But he unknowingly hired me maybe four years later, ironically. Yes. Um, when I worked at a company that had been purchased. Yeah. So that I, I worked with with that person anyway. I was like, I don't know. And so when you were when you had five years of experience, you were ready to leave. What was your criteria then? Oh, so my criteria was that I really wanted to work at a company that I would think was fun, be a customer of and use. And at this point in my career, I'm in Philadelphia. So that's a 
pretty high standard because Philadelphia, while I love home and it's a fabulous city, uh, it is full of law firms and healthcare companies. And um, there is one company there, Anthropology. So everybody in Philadelphia is trying to work at the clothing store. It's not, it's not Anthropology. I mean, Anthropology, but I think the company name is the other brand. But you know Urban, what I mean. Urban Outfitters. Urban Outfitters. The whole, world, the whole city of Philadelphia who wants fun jobs, you know, uh, was trying to work at Urban Outfitters. There's a lot of good companies there, but at this time. Um, and so basically, uh, eBay bought a company in Philadelphia and my friend from the firm went there and I was able to get my resume in there. And that was a dream come true for a tech company, you know, that big and that popular and experienced to be in Philadelphia was just a dream come true. I see. And then I know you mentioned that even though money was still very good at eBay, it was less than what you were making at the law firm. Yeah. You're basically giving up, um, well, Data, you know, it didn't make a big, big difference day to day. It was more that you're giving up the idea that you will make partner. Partners are owners of the become owners yeah. and pay into the firm, and then they're making, you know, a book of business and taking a percentage of that. And so you're losing out on basically what could be a very big, you know, payday um, in your career. You're you're kind of now going on a completely different track of, um, you know, the corporate little step ladders, but they're not <laughs> they're not necessarily going to have that, you know, that big payout. I see. Got it. No, I was just going to say that I did watch The Good Wife very yeah. religiously. <laughs> I do have some idea of how law firms work. <laughs> do you know I haven't watched it? In my, I don't know why. You know what? That's what I'm going to do this weekend. I'm going to binge watch that. Yeah, the Good Wife. It was, it was a very good show. I did enjoy oh, it. That's awesome. So, and then what was your experience like going into an in-house job? Like, did you get the, you know, you you were pursuing certain life goals, right? Were you able to get those? Yes, for sure. I, the, I vividly remember when I left the firm, the first, this is really silly, I'm going to sound like a child, but the first time it was my birthday that I wasn't at the firm, I got to go to dinner for my birthday. So every year I was at the firm, I didn't realize this, but my birthday is at the end of the third quarter. I never would have thought this yeah. as a child. Who knew? <laughs> what, what were my parents thinking to have a birthday at the end of a quarter? And so Every year I would end up canceling like a birthday uh -oh. dinner with friends. And one time, I mean, it's just like on a Saturday or something. And I remember my best friend saying, I don't understand. It's 8 p.m. on a Saturday, this dinner, and you can't go. And I said, yeah, I can't go. And the first year that I was in the house at a, um, at a company and I got to celebrate my birthday. <laughs> and oh that just, my it was just very symbolic to me of how I had more control over my life and my time and the way that I did my work. Because at the firm, I had to be responsive constantly. Now I move in-house. My clients, you know, air quotes, are also my coworkers, and so to not respond on a Saturday is probably more acceptable for the most part um, than when I was at the firm. You did say that in the long term and even financially, it worked out, right? So I want to ask, like, how how did that work out? Like, you did let go of this big payday at the law firm. So I do feel that financially, it worked out for me. A few things. Um, nobody told me when I was in law school. Um, to try and work at a public company because they're stock. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, and and um, my very good friend asked me about that. Like, why did no one tell us that, right? Like, and what that would mean. It's very interesting the things that you learn in college and law school and how they're not necessarily applicable to life, yeah. uh, right? No, I still don't know how to do my own taxes. Um, and and I think also it was just the idea of giving up that big payday and that ego is probably a negative word. I don't even mean it like that. But the 
the ego around becoming partner and everything. So I have been able to still going, you know, going in-house, um, aggressively pay off my student loans and just um, be more mindful. And I think the other problem was when I was at the firm, I would waste a lot of money because I felt that the minute I did get a Saturday night off or if I had anything I had to buy or do, I had to do it immediately. So Saturday night off, spending way too much money at uh, Philly's own for its restaurants, I would just spend the money I was making because it felt like I had to treat myself. Or if I, or my firm required suits every day, if you can imagine that. And so the suits I bought, I would just run to the store, buy three suits, who has time to shop, like not looking for a sale, whatever. And I just, um, I had never made money like this in my life. I had been a student for an extra three years for law school. So then to make that money and feel like I almost irrationally wanted to spend it. So it was a, like, if that makes sense, it was I actually see. a couple of things of becoming more mindful of my money choices, but also maybe I gave up a, you know, what is potentially a big payday, but um, there are still so many good opportunities in house um, that I've been able to take advantage of. And I, it sounds like you just see money differently. Yeah. Right? And it was like this, like, this was how you expressed your freedom. Right. Exactly, exactly. And it was yeah. a very unhealthy relationship to money. But you go, you know, you're in law school and you have all this debt and you go from, I used to uh, eat a lot of, I would go to the Chinese restaurant and get white rice and it was 99 cents and then just put soy sauce on it. And that was like oh. lunch, right? And then all of a sudden you're making this big money and you're getting takeout all the time. You have no time to yeah. cook or do anything that's healthy and you just spend it. It was, yeah. So it just really... um with my head a little bit to be honest about money yeah and so you know you you left the law firm you went to this in-house company and since then you have you have you you have made some more career choices so how have you stuck to the principles that you had come up for the first change yeah I think um continuously taking a step back and asking myself you know do I like what I'm doing do I like the people I'm working with do I like the company I'm at I actually, that's a very hard step for me because I really like people. And so sometimes because I love the people I work with so much, I get confused um, and I, or I feel very loyal, right? Or um, like that I shouldn't make a jump. But the other jumps that I've made since going in-house have all been for, for personal reasons pretty much. Um, and they've all worked out for me. Um, you, you should never follow someone to a job, but I did that once and she's the greatest manager I've ever worked for. Nice. <laughs> not supposed to do that because you don't know how long they will stay, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I've, I've chosen like, oh, that's someone I want to work for um, okay. and to learn from. Um, and I've also chosen, um, you know, roles that are maybe not as big of a title. Like in one, in I one change, I lost my, I lost my title. Um, but I actually gained, um, a bigger depth of my legal practice, if that makes sense. Like I, I yeah. at one point I had a bigger title, but I was doing a very narrow, um, like set of, you know, my legal practice is very narrow and I lost the title, but I am gaining, you know, more experience in other roles. So I've tried to make professional choices that on paper probably don't look as good, um, but have been really good for me personally, um, in, in the long run. I see. So instead of title and money, you let, you know, people you like to work with, people who help you grow in your profession, where you get to learn more yeah. as your guideline. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I've also, um, just being very candid, I've, I've made um, personal decisions in my career based on, you know, things happening um, in my family. And I, I know I've mentioned to the, this to you previously, but 
um, a few years ago, my dad passed away very suddenly. And that was, it was such a shock, but it also was very interesting how, it, you know, grief can impact people so differently. And yeah. for me, it was, I want to change everything in my life. I want to change where I live. I want to change where I work. I need a clean slate and, and life is too short. And um, so I made, you know, a career move. I moved houses um, based on that. And that has actually was therapeutic for me in yeah. grief. Um, and in the end, you know, a good decision. And, and one other thing I'll add about that is, you know, I moved from Philadelphia to the West Coast and I was still 45 minutes from the beach. Uh-huh. <laughs> and in Philadelphia, you're also 45 minutes from the beach. It's called oh. Atlantic City. And I thought, why did I get this far on the West Coast? I've always wanted to live at the beach my whole life. Why don't I live at the beach? And, and when my father passed away, that was like, yeah. I couldn't get that thought out of my head. So I switched jobs so I could live at the beach. And it has been the greatest choice, probably, you know, one of the greatest career decisions I've ever made. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, there's so much, so much of us, just uh, so many of us just keep following what we think would make us happy, right? Until something yeah. like that happens that really just shakes us, right? Yeah. And, to, and makes us realize what we really want. Yeah, that was like, you know, shook me to the core. And, you know, there was like a voice in my head saying, make changes, because, you know, you're so close. Like, there's so much about my job I liked, but changing to do it in a different role in a different company um, in a different environment was so therapeutic for me, you know, mentally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you have made some very brave decisions, Jen. Looking back, would you do something differently? No, but not because I've made the, all the right choices. <laughs> I just, every mistake I make, I learn from it. And it's another, you know, um, yeah, like tool in my toolbox. Like I, yeah. I actually like the mistakes that I've made. I would say this is going to maybe be uh, shocking, Uh, (laughs) but I don't know that I always want to be an attorney. Um, And so I'm not, I do not regret going to law school. I do not regret becoming an attorney. I think if I hadn't done that, I'd have a different job right now. And I'd be saying, I think I could have been an attorney, (laughs) right? Like I just think that was always in my head and I have done it. And I, there's so many parts of it that I love. So I don't regret anything I've done, um, mistakes and all. I but I do. I worry about um, a couple things, like making too many jumps. But then the opposite of it, I worry about um, not making really big, hard jump decisions. Like, well, if I were ever to not be an attorney, I've, I've done that for my whole career. That would be a very, very big decision. So that's um, I think on the horizon of one of my regrets. Like one day, I would like to try and do something else. Nice. Um, and figuring out what that is. That's like a pre-regret. Is that a thing? <laughs> like I'm worried I'll regret it if I don't try something new. Can we, can we coin like a pre-regret? Yeah. <laughs> I don't have the regret gene very much, but again, I'm really not making the right decisions every day. That's for sure. I'll tell you, like my Friday routine, Friday evening routine is I go get cheesecake, I go to Starbucks and I get a coffee. Right? And I, t- I do regret it on Monday morning when I weigh myself. <laughs> But it doesn't really change my behavior because on Friday yeah. I'm back. That was Friday used decision and she made the right decision at the time. Exactly. That's how I always evaluate. Like the things I regret. Was I making the right decision at the time for me? Oh yeah. yeah. You know? That's yeah. yeah. Jen, there are so many people, and including myself, right? We are kind of stuck in this rat race where we are chasing title and money. And number one, because that's what traditionally we have been taught. To chase, but also we are surrounded by other people, right? So there is also this peer pressure to keep up, 
Yeah. So what would you advise somebody who is like big, maybe beginning to realize that maybe this is not the right path for them? My my first thing is that I not to take yourself too seriously um in anything because I feel obviously you know me but cuz I never take myself too seriously I don't think I yeah. But I I think that um you know when we take ourselves too seriously we feel like we've made um permanent decisions so to speak. So like I became a lawyer. So if you know now do I have to do that for the rest of my life? Like no, I I can pivot and I and there's no end to this story until it's the end end to be honest and we don't know when that is. Right? If I've learned anything and like say so we don't know when that end is and so you know never think that the choices that you've made have to dictate where you are um and where or like or where you're going because I just don't I don't feel tied to them in that way. I do definitely get caught up in the rat race day to day. Mhm. But kind of when I take a step back and I look at um you know where I want to go and what I want to do, I think it's a lot easier to make bigger harder decisions. I also like to talk to people not in the rat race and people that are very grounding. So I see. I I come from a family of educators, so they're not in this like corporate environment yeah. that I'm in. Um and and how they see the world and the decisions that they make. So talking to people kind of outside of your industry and I also think, you know, in in the realm of not taking yourself too seriously, I remember when I was um choosing my job at the law firm you actually end up deciding what department you're going to go to and i got That's an cool. offer in that firm to do either employment law or intellectual property law and i remember calling my older sister and saying i don't know what to do should i do employment law or intellectual property and she said i don't think you should do anything with intellectual in the title <laughs> and that is what an older sister is for <laughs> so, <laughs> and i did intellectual property for the record um, but she loves to remind me of that. I, I just, I, I feel like I know I'm rambling in your answer because it is really hard because I get caught up in the rat race too. So to pretend yeah. that I don't, day to day, I live in it. But I do think when I hear things like my older sister telling me not to do anything with intellectual in the title, not taking myself too seriously and always thinking like these decisions don't have to be permanent. I don't know yeah. when, we, we sort of decided when you graduate from college, you get a job and that is the job that you keep for life. And I don't remember signing anything to that effect um, <laughs> so let it be noted <laughs> maybe it will come up when you try not to be an attorney maybe somebody will pull a document <laughs> oh no you signed this bar certificate and you can't leave <laughs> so, so just knowing that a lot of these decisions that in the moment might might feel like, like a lifelong commitment are uh, reversible yes and every job i've ever taken because i've actually had very great managers um, I just, I feel like I've been so fortunate. Every time I've left a job, when I and tell my manager I'm leaving, I've asked, but if it doesn't work out, can I come back? Every time. <laughs> and every time my manager says, oh God, of course. <laughs> exactly. You can always go back. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Nice. So Jen, we are going to change tracks a little bit. Uh, you have a charity that you are a part of i would love for you to talk about it and how our audience can support you oh that's wonderful yeah um actually and it came up while i was at my law firm um i had to go to a client dinner and the partner whose client it was had just gotten back from ethiopia uh, and a lot of people don't go to ethiopia so that kind of became a topic of conversation at the dinner uh, and it turned out that he and his wife were very involved in this charity 
uh, called Area Africa. And I asked him if I could get involved. Uh, and that was, oh my goodness, maybe 10 years ago. Um, and so we run a home in Ethiopia. I'm on the board now um, for vulnerable and orphaned children. Uh, I, I sponsor a child and now my mom and my sister both sponsor children in the home. Um, and I, before, you know, the pandemic, I was going once a year, uh, we do, you know, projects at the home and nice. meet with the children. Um, it's actually like the happiest thing that I yeah. do. Um, it, it's like, no, I usually only get to go for maybe 10 days a year. It is like no other time of the year for me. It is like my happy place to, to be with the, the children. Uh, and it's such, and I think that's also, I know this is a different topic, but goes back to like, do I regret going to my law firm? If I hadn't worked at my law firm, I wouldn't have gone to the, the yeah. dinner with the client where the partner told me he went to Ethiopia. And now I go every year and my, I write letters with my child. And I, you know, it's yeah. one of the most meaningful things I do. And that goes kind of back to the regret. I, I would never regret that. And, um, and you know, we're small, but, but mighty. Um, and the kids are doing great e even through, through COVID days and they're back in school now. Um, and so I, I'm not obviously able to go this year, but whenever it opens, I will be on the first plane. Nice. And then when, how can people support it? Is it through donation? How can somebody get involved? Oh yeah. Great question. So, um, it's areafrica.org and I can send you the website. Um, and we, take donations on the website. We use PayPal. Um, right. uh, also, we have the ability to sponsor a child, um, but uh, we only have, I want to say it's 56 children right now or so uh, in, the, in the home. Um, so, but every now and then we're looking for sponsors. So this year, my, um, my two friends are now sponsoring. They're kind of splitting the sponsor of a child. Um, so that doesn't come up always. Um, but those are really, really great uh, ways to get involved because we write letters to the children. My friend's child, um, he's very, very good at Instagram and wants to be a YouTube star. And she works at YouTube, so she hears from him very often. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But uh, so sponsorship and, and donations are the number one thing. When I do take trips, um, we take physical donations, uh, yeah. you know, shoes and clothing. But that's obviously getting really hard right now with, okay. with the pandemic. Yeah. 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 What does your child want to be? Oh, have Thomas. So when he was little, he wanted to be a magician and I would go and he was very good at doing like card tricks and everything. But lately he's very into Kung Fu. Um, and he, he, like he has changed his email address to Bruce Lee. Uh, I'm not sure where we're going to go with this as a career, but I'm going to get him there. Right. Wow. Wherever he wants to go, I'm going to get him there. Yeah. Nice. No, you sound very happy and passionate while talking about it, Jen. Yeah, that is definitely my happy place. I, I will make sure I include the links in the episode notes. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jen, for being on the podcast and for sharing your unseen battles with us. Uh, thank you for letting me ramble. I love it. If you liked the episode, please leave a review and help others discover it.